Hello, welcome back to Creative Chit Chat. I'm Ryan McLeod and this is episode number 31. And this week's episode is with Kirsty Stevens, who runs Charcoal. Her story starts about 10 years ago when she, well, she was told that she had MS. And this obviously sort of blew her world apart and she has gone on this remarkable journey of, of positivity and creativity off the back of that diagnosis and she's used her condition, uh, her scans, her feelings, her thoughts on all of this to drive her creative practice into creating products, so whether that's prints or cushions, jewellery or scarves um, amongst a bunch of other things. The whole thought behind it is to raise awareness because um, although I imagine many of you have heard of MS you might not understand how it works, what it does I mean I certainly I didn't when I first started chatting to, to Kirsty and we sort of went through it all and yeah I think she's come across a lot of awkwardness and a lot of lack of knowledge in people and that's really inspired her to say right well I want to do something about this and actually teach people um, a bit more about the disease and raise the profile of it um, and it's a fantastic way of doing it so yeah Kirsty's had a, an amazing career so far and we talk about that and, and look into the future as well yeah really inspirational story and again there's a lot of ties between this one and the episode that I did with Fiona Monroe for those of you who don't know that one she's a, a stage four ovarian cancer survivor and this diagnosis then turned her life around and yeah, there's a lot of common threads. So if you do enjoy this one, I'd, I'd recommend going back and, and listening to funerals if you haven't already. And yeah, just one little thought before we jump into the, this episode. And that's, if you have been enjoying it, and you have got something out of it, and you think it's really, the certain episodes have been really interesting, then go and tell a friend. I know we do have regular listeners every week, and I know people are starting to spread the word and chat about it, but go and tell a friend. And the more people that we can get listening and spreading that word and, and spreading those stories, the better. Um, so yeah, if you haven't done it already, go and tell a friend about the podcast. That's this week's thought. So let's get into the episode. This is number 31 with Kirsty Stevens. Yes, so I studied jewellery and metal design at Duncan of Jordanston from 2005 till 2010 a little bit longer because while I was there I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis so and I had to take a year out. <laughs> before we sort of dive into all that um, yes. how about you, you sort of I mean I'm a bit ignorant and I don't really know a lot about it and I'm imagining a lot of people listening won't necessarily yes. know the ins and outs of the disease so could you give us like a sort of overview of, of what it is? So yeah MS is a neurological condition where my immune system sees the protective coating of the nerves as a foreign body and attacks it. So then the messages that are sent around the body aren't sent as smoothly that cause all so many different symptoms for um, everybody that has it. There, no two people have the same symptoms, which is quite a bizarre thing. Like when I was first diagnosed, I thought, no, they just don't know what it is I've got and they're just sticking it on MS. <laughs> at that point at which you sort of got that first diagnosis mm -hmm. uh, what were your what were your thoughts what went through your mind well even although there was a possibility that it could be ms it still came as a bit of a shock because they were the doctors 
we're sure it was ADEM, another neurological condition, which is like MS, but it only hits you once and then it's out of your system completely. Even the ophthalmologist, I was like a new science project for him. He was so excited when I came in and I had something wrong with my eye and everything. And speaking to the neurologist, they're like, yes, it's this ADEM. So that's in the back of my head, that's what it was. MS, no, not a chance. And I didn't even look up anything about MS because I didn't want to <laughs> learn about it. And then when I was going to the hospital, which I thought was just for a checkup to check my cognition, you know, just ask me what month it is, what year it is, <laughs> things like that, I thought that was all it was going to be. So arrived at the hospital, my mum was busy parking the car and I was going to be late for my appointment. So I went up just to wait there, thinking it would take forever because it normally did. And I got called instantly into the doctor's office. <clears throat> so I was there on my own. And he just came out with it. I'm afraid to say you've got mild MS. And my response was, that kind of sucks. Uh, it's a stupid response, but no questions, no nothing. That was it. And he's like, yes, so we will be in touch on how we can move this forward. And then I had to leave. <laughs> that was it. So my mum hadn't even arrived at the ward yet. And I bumped into her in the corridor and just broke down because I was blown away didn't expect it at all and it sort of just sort of left you hanging as well yeah. just like here's a massive piece of news <laughs> i'll see you sometime yes but i don't know maybe that's all i remember because that was the most striking piece of information i'd ever had but yeah it just seemed very very quick because it wouldn't have taken mom that long to find a parking space so so yeah so that came during your degree so during yes. university yeah. so it's a sort of how did that affect your university journey um, after the diagnosis? Well, at first I was you know, devastated and I was off for a good few weeks, maybe even a couple of months. I can't really remember. It was that long ago. But I went back to uni thinking, it's okay. That didn't happen. It's fine. I'll be okay. I can get on with it. But always in the back of my head, like I didn't know what MS was. So I was paranoid about everything even if someone had a cold near me I'm like ah stay away because I know that I'd read that infections could then trigger more MS relapses and so I would have quite happily just stayed at home and wrapped myself up in cotton wool but I was like no I'm fine I'll go to uni but then Mike Press took me aside and advised me to take a year out which I was dead against because that year the degree show was going to be in the vision building which was really exciting and it was going to be totally different to any of the other degree shows. So I was like, no, I'm staying just for this. But no, then we decided maybe it is best to take a year out. <laughs> and in hindsight, do you think that was the right decision? Definitely, yes. I think it would have... I don't know. I don't think I would have gone back and used MS as my inspiration. Because at that point, I just wanted to not even acknowledge it. So hmm. yeah, taking a year out to come to terms with it and just think about it and realise, okay, this is manageable. So how did your sort of relationship with MS change over that year, taking that away from university? It changed massively because at first I did think, oh my goodness, this is the end of my life. I'm going to end up in a wheelchair. I'm not going to be able to hold things. I'm not, just because I'd read so much information on the internet about what could happen. And I was completely wrong. Like, there's so many different forms of MS. There's three, 
I think I should know this. But I have relapse and remitting, so I have a relapse and then that calms down and I'm in remission until I get another relapse. But I've not had one since I've been on my medication, since 2010. So going back after that year, I realised it's okay, like it's manageable, it's not a major problem at the moment, so I just need to get on with life. <laughs> so when you when you say a, a relapse, mm-hmm. can you sort of explain a little bit more about what that actually means, like physically, mentally? Yeah, well, again, it's different for everybody. <laughs> and it's crazy. I've had, I've only had a few relapses, which I can remember, but I remember one time I was going down to London to see my friends while planning supposed to be going that weekend but the nerves on the left side of my face felt a little bit funny and I was like no it's all my imagination maybe I'm just tired but then I looked in the mirror I could actually see the nerve in my lip moving I was like oh that isn't right so then I went to the doctors and they said it was a relapse and I think put me on a prescription of some steroids which again I was like I don't want to be on steroids I'm going to turn into man different kind of steroids so that's okay But yes, other relapses, just the one people that I've spoken to that have had major relapses, they sometimes, they can't walk, they even, their speech doesn't work as well. It's so bizarre, but luckily since I've been on the medication, I've not had any, so. I suppose that, um, I mean, that complete and utter unknown Mm -hmm. of when, what, where, how, that must be quite frightening. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Like again, as I said at the start, I was paranoid everything. I was like, I've got a cold. That means this is going to happen to me and then I won't be able to do this. And it was just quite a hard way. Like finally after 10 years, I figured out I know what is MS and what isn't. And then if something bizarre really happens, like, okay, maybe I should get that checked out. But I don't freak out as much as I used to. (laughs) Okay, so um, you took a year out mm-hmm. and then you went back to university. So, yes. So what happened from, from then? Well, I went back and it was straight into fourth year. So that was exciting because it was the year that we could do anything we wanted and everything. But I was finding it hard to figure out exactly what I wanted to do. So I was looking at all sorts of things that, my grandparents' house was beautiful, so I want a Georgian house, so I wanted to use that as inspiration, but it just, there wasn't enough behind it. I love design that has a story behind it and creates impact, so I was like, mm, this isn't really working, and I just was a little bit lost for a while. I was like, oh my goodness, this is a good couple of months in and I still don't really know what I'm doing. But then I was looking through a Future Trend magazine, and there was one all about science, and I was like, that's interesting and they were looking at x-rays and things I was like I could use my own MRI scans (laughs) I could use myself as the source material which got me really excited actually I was like yeah I'm going to try and use this in a positive way and it was just got me thinking about MS in a completely different way so when I went to ask my nurse for my MRI scans she was a little bit confused she didn't understand why I even wanted to see them I was like, no, I want to see them and draw from them and just see what's going on inside. And then, yeah, that was it. I decided to use MS as my inspiration. 
And so when you say you got your MRI scans, yeah. I sort of imagine this big folder of like see-through uh, <laughs> sheets and acetates type that stuff. That is what I imagined, like even the starting of scrubs. Mm. Like when they put a big <laughs> MRI scan or x-ray, I was like, yeah, that's what I'm going to get. No, I just got a CD <laughs> with a whole reel of them, which was good, nice and compact. But I did print some onto acetate and they look quite cool. But yeah, I just got them on a disc and just could flick through them and have a wee look. They so, were quite bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you produce from that source material for your yeah. uh, degree show? What did you produce mm. out of that? Well, I decided to create pieces that were all inspired what I'd experienced since I had MS or since I first got ill. So I made, I remember my balance was all off when I first got ill, which I tried to deny and walk in a straight line, couldn't. <laughs> but so I made a big, huge shoulder piece uh, I, my optic neuritis I couldn't see out of my left eye so I made a laser cut piece that was a, sort of a head piece that covered the eye as well that was all burnt and smoky and things which was fun so I also wanted to look at natural V's toxic because MS is a natural condition that just happens to the body unfortunately but it is combat or suppressed by the medication that I'm on that is really really toxic so I decided to make my pieces out of cardboard to represent the natural side because that decomposes and I used acrylic for the toxic side of it so I laser cut the corrugated cardboard and laser cut acrylic and just molded pieces to represent what I'd been through which was a different way I didn't think anybody would take it seriously because I'm surrounded by a class full of really talented jewellers that made beautiful silver pieces, gold pieces all soldered together and etched and things and I was using things you could easily chuck in the trash. <laughs> but what was what was the response like from, from people coming to see the degree show? It was an amazing response. I really didn't expect anything like it at all. I got a lot of, wow, you're so brave, which was nice. But it wasn't what why if I was a, doing if it. If a bit patronising. Yes. Like, oh, you're so brave. Like, but which was nice. But everybody was just really intrigued and interested, and it got them asking questions about what MS was. I'd learned a little bit more about it by then, so I could tell them. <laughs> and yeah, I just thought, well, this is something I need to try and carry on to raise awareness of it. So, because mm. I think, I imagine people will be aware of MS as a disease, mm -hmm. but they might not necessarily know the, the sort of ins and outs of it. And yeah. then sort of starting that conversation or maybe looking at your work, um, mm -hmm. it's probably difficult to relate to if you don't understand. So you maybe feel a little intimidated out of place. Yeah, definitely. Then, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'm quite socially awkward in those sort of situations. <laughs> no, not at all. I just find it, I'd, yeah, I'd find it tricky to, to sort of talk about that type of stuff yeah especially in an area that you, you don't don't really understand yes no I have see everybody's lovely when I tell them or they're impressed that I'm doing this or amazed even okay that sounds a bit wow <laughs> but and they're really nice but I do get the head tilts and oh that's that's a shame but the majority are really what's the word they can appreciate what I've been doing to raise awareness and they want to understand it better but then again I do have people 
that don't get it whatsoever and say things that they really shouldn't say Mm. at all. Like, I've had... (laughs) Oh, wow, you look great, which I'll... I'll take, I don't mind, like, you would never expect, you wouldn't realise you had MS. I'm like, okay, thank you, that's good. But it will get worse, though, won't it? Like, <laughs> thanks very much, try not to think about that. Like, MS, it could get worse, but I don't, that's not a way to think at all. You need to be positive. And then the worst thing that anybody's ever said to me, and it was the first time that I've ever experienced this as well, so I didn't know how to respond to it in any way, was I was explaining my work at an event and just showing some images and maybe it was the wording I used, I don't know, but I said, oh, this is a print that I've made using the damage caused by MS. And their response was, wow, you're really smart for someone that's brain damaged. Wow. Yes. I. To this day, I, st- I wouldn't even know what to say to that person, but I, oh, it was unreal. I'm like, how could you think that was okay to say to anybody ever? But these remarks make me want to raise awareness even more. Like, mm. want to get out there and explain to people what exactly MS is all about. So I guess they're good. <laughs> I, I imagine you're in the, the minority mm-hmm. in that there's a lot of people out there with conditions mm-hmm. that don't necessarily use them in their work mm-hmm. or sort of celebrate them or use yeah. their condition to further their own careers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've yet to meet anybody that has used a condition in their work. But at a craft fair was at recently, there was a girl there and she had a condition. I, I can't remember the name of it. But she was telling me about it and it sounds, it was awful. And she, But she even said, I do have prints and artwork that I've used from my illness and things. But I didn't think there was a market for it. I was like, no, make a market for it. Do it. She said, like, I, th- I think I might. So that was amazing. So if I can get more people to openly talk and share their experiences with illnesses and stuff that would be amazing just so everybody gets a better understanding of these things Mm -hmm. so going back to your journey Uh um you've had your degree show you've graduated yes uh what what happens next well at my degree show everybody was asking me that exact same question what next what next and i didn't have a clue but i was just saying oh i hope to move to london and do this and that never thought there would be a chance in hell that that would happen but I did apply for an internship down there with a jeweler and I got it so a couple of months later I'd moved to London which was good and that was really good fun it was just helping out making pieces some ideas I even ended up being a photographer on our blog for Spanish folk which was quite cool see photographer Kirsty Stevens so it's like yes that's a win <laughs> um and then it some more internships followed on. So at Tatty Divine, the jewellery brand, which is amazing. And it was great walking to work, walking down Brick Lane every morning, which is good fun. So I was just down in the basement helping making up the orders. There was even a really interesting internship where it was a design label and they wanted help designing their latest collection for a trade fair over in Paris. 
and one was textile based and their partner was graphic designer so they didn't really have any jewelry skills so I swooped in <laughs> and helped them with that and I designed some pieces which was brilliant design and made them but back then I didn't know anything about contracts and what I could say was my design and intellectual property and things so didn't get any credit for that which was a bit of a bummer because a couple of years later it was actually featured in Vogue a couple of times which is amazing see I'm just trying to take a positive from it that is amazing to see that my work is good enough to be shown in that thing but lesson learned always get people to sign a contract that you designed that and get some credit but so that was a really good experience so down in London I was there for almost three years no just over three years but I couldn't survive just doing internships so I had a part-time job that then turned into a full-time job and then I became an assistant manager in a clothes shop which is not what I went to London to do and in the back of my mind the whole time I was I want to get on making my own work and MS inspired work as well so and you you didn't feel that you could do that sort of stuff while you were down in London then no I tried but it's quite hard to make things in your own little room (laughs) in a flat that's tiny and packed with other people as well (laughs) not my room the flat (laughs) (laughs) um and yeah I hadn't found anything like that I did approach my boss to see if they wanted a jewellery line designed because that company, their jewellery range was awful. So at that point, I was just like, I could help. I could. And they seemed positive about it, but nothing ever happened about that. So, yeah. So what did you do to, to take on your own practice then? Well, while I was down in London, Vanilla Inc. had its first year up here and watching that going on, it was killing me. I was like, ah, oh, I should have stayed in Scotland, I should have done this. Because it just looked amazing. So, so for, for people yeah. who aren't necessarily Sorry. familiar yes. with mm-hmm. Vanilla Ink, what, what is it? It is an incubator. Now, sorry Kate, if I get this wrong. An incubator for jewellery designers, or new designers, to have a studio space and go and set up their own jewellery business, develop their work, develop their business skills. And I was like, that is exactly what I need to do. Hmm. <laughs> So, because that's that was based in Dundee for a few years, oh yes, and now it's yes, moved it down to to Glasgow. Yes, it is yeah. in Glasgow now. Yeah, and they've just actually tonight. Well, this will be a different day, but this week uh, they're opening a jewelry school, mm. which is amazing. Yeah, because really they just exciting. got that funded on Kickstarter. Yes, uh-huh. yeah, she, amazing. Kate has done amazingly, so very very exciting. And I think that I mean that's down to the the talent that was coming out of the art school. Yeah. From the the Julia department and, and uh-huh. other departments and then yeah, giving them the skills to sustain a business. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. definitely. Because at university, what I remember from my degree course anyway, there wasn't, and I think there's a new businessy side course at the uni. I don't know. It's been that long since I've been there. <laughs> but we were never really taught business skills at uni, which is kind of what you need when you're kicked out of uni into the big bad world I think I think yeah more and more it's becoming important yeah. um I think because I mean when I was at uni freelancing was never really mentioned yeah uh-huh. it was kind of like you come out of uni you go into a company you, you get a job yeah definitely um, but I, I don't know whether it's just the, the landscape or the attitude towards mm-hmm. it now but 
that freelancing or, or building your own business is a much more viable and sustainable option. Yeah, definitely, because yeah, so many people I know from art school have just set up their own business, even if it's not necessarily the degree they studied, like me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's Vanilla Ink was a huge help. Do you think... Because, I mean, both of us spent a few years in industry working for other people mm-hmm. before you started your own practice. Yeah. Do you think you needed that time to to do that? Or do you feel like you'd have been better just straight out of uni, just giving it a go? No, I think I needed that time. Because even from school, I was in college a couple of years before I came to uni, which I think, even looking back at... At that time, it was devastating. I was like, oh, I wanted to go to art school straight after school. But I'm so glad that I had those couple of years to develop my practice as well and even my opinions on art and design. So, yeah, definitely coming out of uni and having a little bit of, oh, I hate this life experience. <laughs> it helped and it kind of helped me figure out I don't want to work for anybody else. I yeah. want to make a work, work for myself and profession that I'd enjoy yeah I did, mm-hmm. for me I think it's exactly the same yeah. in that I feel like I did I did my time in industry it was like yeah. a bit of an apprenticeship to build up my own skills mm-hmm. and to give me confidence in my own skills yeah um, and even to learn bits and pieces of things that I'd never been taught at uni so things mm-hmm. like how to interface and speak and present yeah. to clients uh-huh. how to project manage things <laughs> yes. all those little bits and pieces that are so important in your own practice yeah but that without real world applications, uh-huh. um, yeah, I mean, yeah. you're never going to get that experience. Yeah. So I think for me, it was it was absolutely valid. Um, yeah. I think I've been in, I'm in a stronger position now, having done that time. Yeah. Um, oh, that's but that's brilliant. not that's not necessary to say that that's the right approach for everyone. No, no, not not at all. Because yeah. there are people that just get it straight off the bat. Yeah, and <laughs> I think there's there's other places and other ways of getting that that support network in mm-hmm. place um like if you were to go and work in a, a co-working space or something like that where yeah. you've got people there you can bounce off and you can learn from mm-hmm. um but yeah, i think if i was i was to go out at that point and be really insular and it was just me in, a, in my bedroom sort yeah. of designing then <laughs> i'd i'd never have, have learned half as much as i have done yeah. with those in air quotes yeah, life experiences yeah yes oh i hate it <laughs> so so you obviously got accepted to vanilla ink Oh yeah, I applied for Vanilla Ink the second year while I was in London with the hope. Like I loved London and I loved London living, like the life there was always so much going on but oh, I was just done working in a shop. <laughs> I wanted to try and make my own business. But yes, yeah, so I applied and it was quite a major thing because I applied and I wouldn't have found out I needed to find out if I had gotten in <laughs> whether I could let my flat go in London and move back home or move back to Dundee but there was a crossover where or there was a bit of limbo where I didn't know and I moved back to Scotland without knowing if I'd gotten in yet I kept on asking Kate I was like can you tell me <laughs> like I came up from an interview with Kate and Mike Press which was quite terrifying because I hadn't done anything like that for years, like presented work or anything. So it was scary, but I'm glad I did it. And then I just kept on pestering Kate to tell me, but she wouldn't. So yeah, I made the move back up to 
Scotland just to see because I was like, oh, London, you'll always be there. I can come back, can visit you anytime. So came back home. And so how was that? that year in Vanilla Ink and how did you how did you change how did your practice change how did your outlook change well even when I was getting ready for the interview with them I was looking at what I could I still wanted to use well not still I wanted to use MS as my inspiration but I was like I can't use what I'd experienced with my MS in the start again and again and again because I think that would only run so long and because I had had no more relapses or anything I was like what can I do so I decided to look at the MRI scans and see what was going on and actually look at the lesion shapes and then I just started playing about with them I was like yes this could work I'll design things from the damage to make a negative into a positive so the the, the lesion shapes just to explain a little bit more about them so on my scans, so they're brain scans for me, but lesions, it can you, people can get them anywhere in their central nervous system, so even on the spine and things like that, but mine are all on my brain. But you can see the lesion shapes are just like sort of white fuzzy blobs. <laughs> but um, I draw around those shapes, take those shapes and just create even more shapes and play about and see what I can do with them. And so at this point you still... Mm-hmm making jewellery yes I went into vanilla ink wanting to have a jewellery business because this is what it was all about and I I love my jewellery I love wearing jewellery but I think even because I'd missed some of third year my jewellery making skills weren't that great but I did love big pieces and even working with Tati Divine made me realise that jewellery could be anything you know cut out of plastic uh, big gaudy pieces which I love <laughs> but yeah in my head I was like yeah I'm going to do this I'm going to etch away my jewellery on the laser cutter things using acrylic even maybe 3d print because that was just coming about but when I got there the designs I had in my head weren't working as well and I was just playing about with the shapes and I was like actually these work a little bit better in 2d and print and then I went to the DCA to try out screen printing for the first time and just loved it. I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. Maybe a little bit jewelry, but printing, definitely. So what what was it about screen printing that really grabbed you? Well, just the whole process. I love being hands-on and actually making something. And it was just amazing that screen printing is pretty much just like developing a photo, but on a larger scale. You know, like having to expose the screen and everything like that. And then once your pattern is on the screen and just printing it, it's just so satisfying when the screen comes up and there's your image printed beautifully on a bit of paper. It's oh, just so satisfying. I think, yeah, geek. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I only did it for the first time this year as well, yeah. or well, just tail end of last year, but... Uh-huh. Is that that sort of physicality? Because I'm used yeah. to looking at stuff on screens all the time. Yeah. Um, and uh-huh. it's sort of, it's it's going back to that getting yeah. this physical thing at the end of it that you mm-hmm. own and that you can touch and feel and yeah. that has those little imperfections that you don't yeah. get with digital. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really, really nice. Yeah, cause, because all my designs start from computer-aided design, I kind of feel like a cheat. I'm like, I should be out like drawing them or doing them like that but the computer like photoshop and things just work better for me 
But so going, getting back into the print studio and actually doing something like, yeah, okay, I'm not all computer, <laughs> which is good. So so no matter what you're creating, mm-hmm. in terms of your process, do you yeah. always start with a, a scan and then yes. editing that on a on a computer? Yes, I am. <laughs> I use Photoshop, so I just load up one of the scans, pick any one. I do have my favourite though which is bizarre but the deletions look really cool and I really like those shapes but um, yeah I take a scan put it into Photoshop and (laughs) my favourite tool I'm giving all my secrets away (laughs) the magic wand is awesome but just to highlight those shapes take them either as a solid shape or even just the outline and then just play about with them even create different shapes from those shapes you know like mirror them duplicate them and then make even more intricate patterns out of that so totally changing it <laughs> and so so you, you finished your year at, at vanilla ink mm-hmm. um and then you decided to sort of take your practice on beyond that and run it full-time as a business yes well while i was at vanilla ink that is when charcoal came about i did ask kate like, it's when it dawned on me, I was like, okay, I don't actually want a jewellery business anymore. And I'm halfway through this year. And I was like, oh, what am I going to do? But I spoke to Kate about it and she was great. She supported everything that I wanted to do, and which was brilliant. So I, we had a business development day all about branding. And I was lucky enough to be picked to have everybody help me focus on what my business is about, what name I should maybe call it. And it was just brilliant, like going back and researching what MS is all about. And when it was found, it was, oh yeah, it was found by a French neurologist who was also named Father of Neurology, Jean-Martin Charcot, or Jean, not John. <laughs> Jean-Martin Charcot, who first discovered MS back in 1868. So... I decided I had to name it Charcoal because it was like a nod to MS but not having MS in the name because I think that would scare people a little bit and make it sound a bit more clinical than it needs to be. But it was then that I was like, that was it, this is Charcoal. And that was my business. And yeah, I just needed to continue at it once Vanillic was finished because it was too good not to continue like mm. I felt like all the response I'd had about it and everything I wanted to continue it but I did try to do it while also having a part-time job on the side and it wasn't working very well and the more I was at my part-time job the more resentful I was for being at my part-time job because I'm like no I could be doing this because even though it was just part-time I'd get home after a long day and then that would be me done for the day I wouldn't be able to have any energy to do anything else so I was lucky enough to pack in my day job my part-time job and this was my parents bless them I had a six-month shot at it but they didn't get that businesses don't just happen like that and but then I was getting a little bit recognition about it. I was on Starter for Six for Innovative Businesses where you go and learn all about business which is still 
thing that I'm learning about. But and then had the chance to pitch for money to help your business. So I was lucky enough to be awarded money, which I couldn't believe it. So I was like, yes, okay. And then that made my parents realize, okay, maybe this is a proper thing. It's not just a little thing she's playing with. And then that was it. I was like, okay, I need to make this work. I think that's that's the the crux of it. The mm-hmm. point at which you you commit to it, and it shows that it can sustain itself. Mm-hmm. I think is that's the the difficult bit for people to get past. Yeah, I think because um, you could yeah you could have kept that that part time job on and yeah. continue to run it, but mm-hmm. it's talking to more people. It's when they make that commitment that yeah. that's when their business actually starts to to take off. Yes. Um, and then they they're fully committed to the practice of mm-hmm. it, and then it starts to develop and in content or in sort of thinking or whatever that may yeah. be. But yeah, it starts to accelerate that mm-hmm. that bit faster. Yeah. So you you've obviously done a, a sort of a range of different products and outputs. <laughs> yes. Um, so I mean, where where do the ideas for these different kinds? Because you've done. <laughs> jewelry you've done scarves you've done print work and then like sketchbooks and yeah i blame the ms for this because i get distracted easy (laughs) start one thing i'm like oh wait a minute what about this (laughs) um but yeah i've just really enjoyed trying out things because this is the first time i've ever used print you can apply it to anything and everything so like one day my brain will be everywhere. <laughs> I want to make wallpaper, I want to do rugs, I want everything, but it's just all so varied, but I kind of like to think of it, it's kind of like MS. That is so varied for everybody else as well. That's how I treat my collection at the moment anyway. I'll maybe whittle it down one day, but at the moment it's too much fun just trying out new ideas. <laughs> so what's the next? what's the next big thing that you're going to work on then, that you're going to put out? Well, I'm, I've been developing for quite a while, but I'm really excited about it as a colouring book. I know everybody's done a colouring book on everything, but this one is filled with patterns just from the lesion shapes, which is really interesting because the patterns you get, is just crazy. <laughs> but I really want to make a colouring book, but also I'd like to do a digital version because it's a book about MS and I want people to understand it and then people with MS to be able to do it as well because I've recently been attending MS Tayside Therapy Centre for hyperbaric oxygen therapy so I've met lots of lovely people with MS and I even like you've got to sit in that tank for an hour with a mask on so no chatting no nothing so I was like I'll take my colouring in pages to colour in and even offer to other people but unfortunately some of them, their hands weren't working as well. They wouldn't be able to hold a pencil or that. So I was thinking, okay, I need to do a digital version of this. So that is my next big project to figure out how to do that. So people can just use a tablet or computer and just color in uh, the pages just to, yeah, relax and try it out and see what MS looks like in a coloring book Mm. (laughs) and sort of own it themselves a little bit. Because you, you've talked about your work um, trying to educate mm-hmm. um, other people and there you sort of mentioned and so MS sufferers themselves sort of um, enjoying your the work that you've produced. Mm-hmm. So, so who who do you see as your sort of target market then for the work you do? 
Oh, that is a tricky one. Again, I think it's just going to be a, the same answer. Everybody, because I think it is so varied. You know, I've got the silk scarves. I've got jewellery that's made it from acrylic, so it might not be as refined as somebody that would want a silk scarf. And then I've got little sketchbooks, people that might just like doodling. And, oh, see, it's, it's so big. <laughs> so many different things. So I think there has to be something in there that'll appeal to... A lot of people. Yeah, and I suppose you can sort of target little pockets. Mm-hmm. If you are, when I mean, you're trying to raise an awareness. Yeah. Um, so if you are, yeah, tapping into these different markets, yes. then that's a nice strategy for getting the, the message and the, the sort of yeah. the word out there. Because I have noticed or finally realised that my sock, because I look at Charcot as to be sort of high end brand with the silk scarves and everything. But since I've been doing some events and fairs craft fairs I realized that you can't take these (laughs) expensive prints and things like that that to these events because people look at them and think they're nice but they won't want to purchase and things like that so yes that's why I've got sketchbooks and I've even got some stationery some cards and things that I've done which is really nice they've actually got a little bit of info about yeah, a little bit of info about Charcoal donating 5% profit to MS Society with every sale. So that's really good to help with the research that's really needed for MS. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So how how important is it that mm-hmm. people understand the message or the context or the the thinking behind the work that you produce? Well... <laughs> It's not essential, I don't think, because even if somebody was to buy my work just because they like the look of it, that would be great for me. I'd love that. You know, I want to know that people like it, even just to look at it, I don't mind. But for them to like it, buy a piece, or even come and speak to me and then find out the backstory about it and appreciate what I'm doing, that would be brilliant and get it. Because... Recently, actually, I bumped into a guy I went to college with and I've not seen him in years and he was just like, oh, what are you up to? And I was telling him about my business and I was wearing one of my scarves and I told him that it was all inspired by MS and showed it. He's like, oh, he's like, oh, I know some people with MS, which is always how conversations go when I tell them. And he was like, oh, no, that's really good. But then later that night, I'm going to quote him here, I got an email from him and it, oh, it was amazing. He said hey, it was great to bump into you today. When I was driving to work, I was suddenly struck by the deeper meaning behind the scarf you had on. It's such a joyful, colourful and celebratory piece that has evolved from such a horrible bastard of an illness. And all of a sudden, I was very moved, which I couldn't believe that a five-minute conversation with a guy I hadn't seen in years, he just got it straight away. So that is what I really want to do. That was just... That made my day, made my year actually. I was like, wow, he really gets it. So if more people have that thought about it, that would be brilliant. Because mm. mm-hmm. you have this, you got this positivity about you and like <laughs> everything you do is really upbeat and yes. exciting. <laughs> but everyone has shit days, right? Yes. So how do you deal with your shit days? Well, shit day for me is when fatigue hits because that is one of the... A major things that I have thanks to MS so I get tired 
and it's not just you're normal tired. <laughs> like I could have done nothing or say my emotions were on high that day or even if I'd just been concentrate, concentrating solidly on some work or the books or whatever, that can just hit me for six. I'm just hit with this overwhelming sense of tiredness. It even can make me feel quite sick. And back in the day, I used to, well, not even back in the day, I used to just try and work through it. That nothing, you can't do anything. Your mind's not in it. You just, I couldn't do anything. So now I finally realised that it's okay just to, stop so that's what I do I just stop and just try and relax and you know it'll pass so it's not the end of the world so I'm just like relax and then if later that day I feel better I'll maybe ease myself into by doing a little bit designing because I find that quite relaxing or even do some social media posts because that still work <laughs> but yeah just just need to sit down, chill out, and I know it's not going to last forever, so, yeah. So, this year you mm-hmm. uh, ended up going to Shenzhen Design Week. Yes. So, how did how did that come about, and how was that experience? Well, that, it was a whirlwind. <laughs> I remember I was in the print studio one day, and I got an email from Chris Wilson from the v just saying, oh, this is Anna Day from UNESCO Dundee and she's got something to ask you. I was like, okay. And then I got an email from her saying, hi, we've got an opportunity for you to show your work at the first design week in Shenzhen in China. Do you want to do it? And I was like, well, well, first of all, she just said Shenzhen. So I was like, Googling, where is this? (laughs) And I was like, China, (laughs) what the hell? Um, and as I was in Dundee that day, I was like, oh, this sounds really good. Like, just playing it cool. <laughs> I could meet you and we could discuss it. So we met up for a coffee and it was pretty much, yes, we'd like to use your work at Shenzhen Design Week. It fits in to their theme perfectly. It's designed for the future. And we think the way you use design for the future for MS and awareness is brilliant and it fits right in I was like okay that'd be good and in the email it did say there's a chance for you to go to China but I in my head I was one of many getting asked so I, I probably won't be going but she was just pretty much like so do you want to do it I was like yeah that'd be great to see my work it's like and do you want to go to China I was like okay <laughs> yes it was surreal so then she's like okay well we'll need your work by the end of the week and then that was it I was like Okay, this was, there was, I think there was three weeks or four weeks leading up to it, but they just flew by because I was busy sorting my visa, never had one of them before, planning my flights and when I'd need to fly and everything, like they did everything, but I still just wanted to get my head around it all, but it was the most bizarre, I've never been abroad and somebody booked everything for you and you just turn up at the airport and go. <laughs> it's quite nice in a way. Yeah, oh, it was, it was brilliant, it was good fun, but it was just amazing the minute I even landed in China I was just like wow it was just I had to pinch myself I didn't I couldn't believe it it was crazy but it was such an amazing experience and there were so many other people from other UNESCO cities of design so that was my little group and it was just amazing meeting them all so interesting and everybody had 
so many different thoughts on design and what they produced in it. It was great. I'm trying to think that festival itself, well, design week itself was a magnitude I couldn't, could never even imagine because Shenzhen, it's a man-made city. I think back in the 70s or 60s, it was a tiny little fishing village or something like that. But now it is spanned out. The scale of it was huge. We would get in a taxi and go to an event and we'd be in the taxi for like 40 minutes an hour and we're still in the same city. <laughs> it's massive. If we were here doing that, we'd be in Edinburgh or halfway to Glasgow or whatever. So it was great. And the exhibition spaces and even the way work was shown was just unreal. It was really quite surreal, but it was good to see mm-hmm. and be a part of. So obviously you've been on this journey um, sort of from university, from your diagnosis all the way through uh-huh. um, and using your condition as part of your work and central mm-hmm. to sort of everything that you do. Yeah. Um, so what what does MS mean to you now? It sounds crazy and other MSers that are out there listening to this, if they are, <laughs> which they will be. Is that the collective term? MSR. MSRs. Yeah, a little bit MSRs, you know, part of the gang. <laughs> it's crazy to say, but if I didn't have MS, I don't know what I would do- be doing with my life. I'd probably still be working in a shop somewhere or, yeah, so I'm <sighs> kind of thankful for it. Oh, that sounds terrible, but it's a good thing. It's don't know how to put this but yes i think then what you, i think what you're trying to say yeah i mean and then cool. using the word sort of thankful yeah um, i haven't done the episode with fiona monroe who oh, yes. had um stage four ovarian cancer yeah and was... i think she used the word grateful um, and yeah. she was talking about her condition and mm-hmm. that she feels like she's become a new person um yeah since having the, the disease and she feels she's become a much better person uh-huh. and she's having a much more enjoyable life and yeah. lifestyle because of it. So I, although it seems like a bizarre concept to yeah. say, oh, I've, I've got this I'm horrible I've got this thing. incurable disease, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it really has changed my way of thinking, my way of living, everything. And yeah, it's just definitely changed my life for the better. And you feel like it's given you a sort of drive and a purpose. Definitely. Really has because I'm proud to have MS. I'm proud to be part of the MS community because it's so strong. Everybody supports everybody. And I want to try and do my part to help them as well, inspire them even. So, yeah, it's definitely a positive. (laughs) And I suppose another community that you're part of is the sort of Dundee mm-hmm. creative community. Yes. Although you're based down in Falklands. Yes. You're up here quite a lot. Yeah. Um, so what, I mean, what's your thoughts on uh, the sort of change in Dundee as a city and the direction it's going in? I think it's brilliant. Because I do remember I was moving down to London when they announced a new v Design Museum was coming to Dundee. And I was like, what? That's why I'm going to London. <laughs> but... I think it's amazing. So many exciting things are happening. And I think it's just fantastic. And it just needs to keep going and 
keep building on it and everything because this city is going to be making big big waves i think in the design world <laughs> yeah i think that, that momentum is 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 really important yeah um, and it's something we're starting to feel mm-hmm. just now um yeah. and hopefully that'll just continue to build yeah definitely i hope so because it's too good to stop now <laughs> yeah. okay that's great thank you very much oh, yeah. um just before we finish, mm-hmm. um, if people want to see your work, buy your work, find yes. out a bit more about you and what you're up to, how did you do that? Yes, okay, so I've got a, a website, charco.co.uk, which is under development at the moment. So that will be coming to you soon. But also you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Charco Studio. Also, I've just... I uh, had some work which will be in the DCA shop soon. I think it's the next couple of weeks, which is exciting. Or even if you've been at pharmaceutical conventions over in America, <laughs> you can see my work there because it's quite exciting. The company has been using, uh, displaying my work at events, which is good. That's great. Thank you very good, much. Thank you. And that was Kirsty. Big thanks to her for coming on and doing the podcast. If you haven't already done so, go and check out her work. It's uh, yeah, it's fascinating. Um, and yeah, she's doing a, an amazing thing that is really inspirational and taking something that sort of shrouded in negativity and making it so positive and then starting, starting to spread that message far and wide. Going forward, um, in terms of the podcast, if you're new to it, then we are at CCC Dundee on Twitter and on Instagram. Or on Facebook, it's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash CCC Dundee. Um, and that'll keep you up to date with all the episodes, what's coming up, what's new. And yeah, um, the other way in which you can sort of get involved and help keep the podcast going is by buying some merchandise. Um, so I've got a series of products, that's prints, little books and badges um, available to buy from the website through the Etsy links there. Or you can collect them straight from Fleet Collective and save yourself the postage. Um, so that's cccdundee.com forward slash store. But yeah, that's it for this week. So I will catch you next week. Goodbye. Okay,